This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Minutia Man is up next, but first, listen to this other fine OPI show. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's time to get silly with cartoon fantasy rides. Plus, part two of our automotive turkeys list. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Hey, hey. Hey, let's do this quick, Rick. I've got binge watching to do. <laughs> you know, right. uh, I've been up till like 2.30 in the morning the last three nights watching Succession. Have you ever seen that uh, no, HBO I, show? I don't even know what it's about. We don't get HBO in the Stern household. Ah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's about Rupert Murdoch basically and his family. Oh. And, and it's, uh, really interesting to me. I wrote a book called Severance, which is one of the characters is loosely based on Rupert Murdoch. And here's what I've discovered about my, uh, my, my book Severance. I, uh, was not nearly tough enough on these guys because <laughs> they are pricks. Well, and and looking at what's happening now, you weren't absurd enough either. I know. Right? I yeah, know. Yeah, you know, you, you were you were it was a plaything for you compared to what's going on right now. Yeah. 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 Well, so so, anyway. so this is a comedy, a dark comedy is what you're Well, doing. it's not. It's it's more of a drama, but just the rich uh the way these rich guys act, you know, basically I didn't make them rich enough. Because yeah. I didn't understand what Rich even was until I saw this. <laughs> I mean, it was beyond my imagination. Uh, well, what is it now? The top 1% of Americans have 70% of the wealth in the country or something like that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something I just, like that. I'm, I'm being an, uh, a irresponsible journalist by just throwing out figures that I don't know. I love when you call yourself a journalist. (laughs) I know, I know. Uh, So I've been binge watching, uh, well, I finished, and one day I binged watch Tiger King. Have you seen that yet? I have not. I I don't know why that doesn't appeal to me at all. It is fantastic, and what is really going to appeal to you is after you watch this, you're going to realize, and this might sound a little elitist and judgy on my part, (laughs) but that there are a lot of people that are not nearly as intelligent as we are. Well, okay. that goes without so, saying. Right, right. And you can print that. And I don't care who knows it. Once, <laughs> once you watch Tiger King, it's like, wow, there are some some just dumbasses out there. But speaking of Tiger King, you know who we've got coming up later on? Uh, oh, I, oh, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Eye of the people. Tiger. Right, right, right. Jim Peterick. Right. Jim Peterick is going to join us a little later to talk about a re-release of a song, um, is Spirit of Chicago? Yes, that's right. It, which is, uh, he's he's created a video and everything, and it's all it's to bring people together in this time of uh, COVID-19, which I think is a, is a very nice thing, and, and very nice of him to call and say that uh, he wanted to come on the show. So he's going to be on the show. Right, and we also have poker professional, uh, WSOP European bracelet winner Tristan Wade is coming on later too. 
You're excited. And I think uh, you are excited about yeah, that. Yeah, this is right. Yeah, you can have the billionaires, Rick, and yeah. the fancy schmancy rock and roll stars. Yeah. Give me a poker guy. This is you your know? wheelhouse. You know, right. and and for all of you out there who are businessmen, like Dave and I, we own a business yeah. together. We're when job you're, creator. When we first started our company, um, my business partner, <laughs> I'm not going to say who it was, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. one day said to me, you know what? I think I'm, I'm thinking of becoming a professional poker player. <laughs> That's what you uh, want to hear out of your business partner. Uh, well, and let's refresh or let's rewind because that first quarter, like those first three <laughs> yeah. months, I was on fire, Rick, man. I was just, I was printing money. And second- you were playing, you were intentionally going at times when the dumbest people possible were there. <laughs> right, right. Like Joe Exotic from Tiger King <laughs> and all of his friends. But right? I'm not kidding about that. You really were <laughs> plotting times to go to the Hammond Casino or whatever it's called. To, yeah, the horseshoe. The at the shoe. worst possible times of day because only the ne'er-do-wells would be right. there. Is well, that we right? Had, we had Volcano Joe. <laughs> Volcano Joe was there. There was Fat Ali. Fat Ali was there. Both of them sucked. Uh, and then T-Bone. T-Bone was there. Now, um, here I've got a T-Bone story if you want to oh, yeah. hear it. Sure. So I so I got a call from Danny G, which was another guy, that, and I've lost touch with him. Once this damn business started to take off, yeah, I know. shit, I didn't, I didn't have any time anymore. But so... Danny G calls me and he goes, Hey, did you hear about T-Bone? I'm like, no, what happened to T-Bone? You know, he's like, well, T-Bone had a heart attack. I'm like, so how is T-Bone? He's like, okay. Um, he was playing at the table. He had a heart, he was having chest pains and decided to go to the buffet at the horseshoe. (laughs) That's what you do when you have chest pains. (laughs) Right. So he goes up to the buffet, uh, and then he comes back down to the table and last two hands and then the ambulance came. But T-Bone, as far as I know, this was like three years ago, is fine, as far as I know. Uh, so, oh, my God. So, uh, hey, I think, you know, we got a big show. We got to get going here. Oh, right? okay. okay. All right. Let's. Fire you, we're up. talking about Minutia. Here we go. Yeah, right. You're listening to Minutia Men, featuring the wacky exploits of your good pals Rick and Dave. Give them 22 minutes and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. All right. Let's give them some, right. nothing of value. So we are at a time right now that governors have to decide what our essential business is, right? I mean, right. this is one of their this is one of their main and we have been topic. deemed non-essential, yeah, right? Right. But you know what has been uh, Florida has a deemed essential. What's that? The WWE. Okay, WWE or the World Wrestling. Wait, is this for real? Yeah, no, it is. Uh, uh, w is it WWF or WWE? It's WWE. Uh, Okay, so we're the world wrestling is going to resume live television matches starting on Monday, uh, with their fate with their very popular Monday Night Raw with no program. audience, no audience. There will be no audience there. Uh, there will just be the the two fake guys beating the crap out of each other. Right? <laughs> You'll hear the echo of the folding chairs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, and the and the and the the base of the. Matt going boink, 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 right? Uh, but will we hear the whispering, here comes the pile driver? <laughs> yeah, we well, we might, and that was what my whole point was, is they've got to make sure that the mics aren't there to tell <laughs> to tell the next hold that's coming up, right? Are you telling uh, me that that is not a legitimate wrestling match that we're watching? Uh, hashtag, hashtag fake news, okay? 
Uh, also airing will be the uh, at the Orlando training facility will be SmackDown on Friday. And also on Wednesday will be the NXT, whatever that is. All coincidentally shot in Florida, which oh who would have thought that that... Who would have thought that that would Florida would be the epicenter of wrestling? You know, uh, can we just secede from have <laughs> Florida secede because they're yeah. just too stupid for for un, just unbelievably stupid. Yeah, and although you know who's not stupid, who Tristan Tristan Wade, who's from Florida, Oops, and he I'm will sorry. be joining us later <laughs> on. Sorry, um, Tristan. <laughs> like I said, oh, the people in Florida, I love them all. Uh, and but you know who's really stoked about this? Who? You know, the wrestlers, uh, The Undertaker, he's he's going to be very stoked. Dr. Death and Stone Cold Steve Austin are all uh, wrestlers that will take take uh, take advantage of the COVID-19 wrestling matches in Florida. OK, great. Look forward to the choke slam, <laughs> the uh, the neck breaker, the face buster. All the, of that uh, will be happening. The half and the full Nelson. Yeah. So, you know, one of the my favorite things going on uh, during this uh, coronavirus time is uh, people are sending me all kinds of memes and jokes. Uh-huh. And I have a one that I think I can share with you if you're up for it. Sure. All right. This is a traditional joke <laughs> in the okay. in the long line of uh, traditional jokes. All right. Okay. Here we go. A suspected COVID-19 male patient is lying in bed in the hospital wearing an oxygen mask over his mouth and nose. A young female nurse appears and gives him a partial sponge bath. Nurse, he mumbles from behind his mask, are my testicles black? (laughs) Embarrassed, the young nurse replies, I don't know, sir. I'm, I'm only here to wash your upper body and feet. He struggles again. Nurse. Please check for me. Are my testicles black? Well, you're a character actor. This is unbelievable. (laughs) Concerned that he might elevate his blood pressure and heart rate from worrying about his testicles, she overcomes her embarrassment and pulls back the covers. She raises his gown, holds his manhood in one hand and his testicles gently in the other. She looks very closely and says, There's nothing wrong with them, sir. They look fine. The man slowly pulls off his oxygen mask, smiles at her, and says very slowly, Thank you very much. That that was wonderful. Now listen very closely. Are my test results back? (laughs) Oh, very good. Nice. I love that one. That is great. Who who should we give credit for that? Uh, They've specifically (laughs) asked not to get credit for it. But I did ask if it was okay if we did if I shared it on the uh, on the podcast, and he said yes. Oh, so. that is great. That is great. You'll have to tell me off the air who that was. I will, <laughs> and we'll send him some Luminati's pizzas because that was awesome. Uh, hey, do you have the um, uh, Jenkins jingle? I do. Hang on, here we All go. Right. When you're on the job and you're not doing it right, Jenkins. Time now for Dave to share stories of employee screw ups. It could only be Jenkins. Jenkins with Rick and Dave. Jenkins. Okay, Dave, what else Hi, you got? Ricky. This comes from France. Can you do a French? Oh. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, civilian accidentally ejected from French fighter jet during a flyalog. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Do we need to uh, hear any more? <laughs> no. Uh, so 
a privileged. I mean, there's you can in France from out of money. I don't know what it is. You can experience a fly along in a French Air Force Raphael B fighter jet. Sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I'd never do it. No, me neither. Uh, but so this one civilian ended up paying whatever it cost <laughs> to, to get on this this flight fighter and uh, the unidentified 64 year old passenger who apparently um, was a total jag <laughs> uh, sustained back injuries but was listed in stable condition after being taken to the hospital because the pilot accidentally hit the wrong lever. And ejected him on, uh, out of the plane. Okay. What does this button do? Sacre huh? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, Now, multiple investigations have happened since the May 21st incident, obviously. <laughs> but here is a quote from an anonymous source, okay? Okay. The pilot simply screwed up. Uh, in French, whatever. Oh, no, uh-huh. He's screwed up. I did not mean to do that. Does your dog bite? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he simply pulled the wrong level lever. It was just an honest mistake. That was the quote. <laughs> now, obviously, I, I didn't realize this, but I guess even the passengers have to wear parachutes, right? Yeah. yeah and they I automatically mean, go off when you get ejected? Is that what I, happens? It I must guess. be, right? If he only had yeah, back yeah, right. injuries. Right. So, you know, the pilot's going... You know, okay, uh, one time, all right, I'm, I'm going to German. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just do the last. So the mountains. What I also think, I mean, I don't, I, that, I don't know the, why. <laughs> what? Is that the Notre Dame? <laughs> <laughs> um, so prior to the flight, the passenger was, I'm sure they had like the big, you know, training, right? They must have had the yeah, class. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> right, but they probably didn't say, by the way, your pilot <laughs> is a complete fucking idiot. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, well, I love uh, that story. <laughs> well, I love that one a lot. You know, and and you know what? And if a rich guy, I mean, he didn't die. Now, if he would have died, yeah, I mean, it, would, it wouldn't still, be it would still as be funny, funny, but it would still be funny. <laughs> right. It'd still be in the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have no problem with really, really getting ejected out of planes. Yeah. You can print that. I yeah. don't care. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. That's going to offend our one rich listener. <laughs> All right. It's uh, it's time for another feature. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where uh, we reach our hand into the jar and tell a story about a celebrity. Now, during the COVID-19 crisis, we have uh, decided not to uh, do the full jar reaching in um, and and Dave has given me full authority to just tell stories. You could just do it. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go get make a sandwich. You can take the next <laughs> No, no. Minutes, this but... is interactive. We need to oh, do this okay. together still. Okay. Um, this story, uh, well, I want to tell about Glenn Beckert, uh-huh. the former Chicago Cub, uh, who passed away this week. Jim Fry. Actually, we lost three Cubs this week. Uh, Glenn Beckert was 79 years old. He was on that uh, 69 Cubs team which is one of my childhood 
favorite teams ever. That won the World Series. Uh-huh. Okay, they didn't win the World Series, <laughs> but let's gloss past that. Jim Fry also passed away. He was the manager of the 84 Cubs, which is probably my second favorite team of my youth. Uh, aren't you going to say it? Yeah, they they won the World Series, okay, right? Okay, right. And then the third one that died was Jim Bolger, <clears throat> who played in the 50s. He was 88 years old. I, I don't remember him at all. Okay. But he's in the book, Every Cub Ever, because Dave, they're all in the book, Every Cub Ever. Um, but I did meet Beckert and Fry, and they're, these are very short stories, okay? okay. Uh, Glenn Beckert I met, I think it was the 100th anniversary of Wrigley Field. It was opening day. And uh, I got to uh, sit in your seats, you know, okay. your, your nice seats. Yeah, which we no longer have because they got too expensive. Right. And I think I was there with Dane, but Dane had walked away, um, you know, how Dane is. And he, uh-huh. he makes his way around the park and talks to everybody. He knows 38,000 people. He really does. <laughs> he yeah. really does. But that was the day that they brought in a bunch of old Cubs to help celebrate the 100th anniversary. And one of them was Glenn Beckert. And I didn't realize it was him, but he was already kind of frail at this time. He he walked very slowly. Like he he had a hard time. Uh, he was not really ambulatory anymore. And before they went on the field, he just kind of plopped down in the seats right by you. Huh. Right there, waiting for the time where they'd walk in the gate there. Remember how they have the gate? Yeah, right there. Because right right, right. for those of you who don't know, Dave's seats are were right behind the Cubs dugout. They're like the uh, fourth or fifth row. Right, and actually, Jesse Jackson's seats were yeah. the ninth row. Were the ninth row? Really? Yeah. So we had better. I had better seats than Jesse Jackson. So anyway, Glenn yeah. Becker plops down, and he's sitting like you know six or seven seats away from me, and I finally recognize who he is, and I'm like, oh my god, Glenn Becker. He goes, yes. I said, you know what? You were one of my childhood heroes. I'll, I'll never forget following your uh, your 26-game hitting streak back in 68, uh, which I, I really did do as a five-year-old. Uh, and he looked at me and goes, hey, thanks a lot. But it was 27 games. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, is that, did you share that story in every Cub ever? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Well, we'll have to reprint it. Okay. Once we- once we become an essential business, we can reprint it. Jim Fry was another uh, person I met uh, very briefly, super briefly. He came on Chet Kopic show when I was working at The Loop. Uh, Stephen Geary were on in the afternoons, and right after our show was Chet Kopic show. And the day that Don Zimmer was either hired or fired, uh, Don Zimmer and Jim Fry came in together. It must have been the day he was hired. And uh, they were there in the hallway, and they were—they were—they looked like two old guys. Uh, they had like plaid suits on. I mean, they—they they were, <laughs> you know, outside. Of, you never see these guys outside of uh, uh, with their uniforms off, where you know, when right, they're wearing sure. like normal everyday clothes. And those were the two worst dressed people I have ever seen: <laughs> Jim awesome. Fry and Don Zimmer. Both of them have passed away. Um. So that's well, that's sad. That's it was yeah. a sad week, and you know, uh, it made me look back to see who the oldest living Cubs are because these guys were old, but there are twelve more that are in their nineties right now. So if we're playing, if we're doing a Cub Ghoul Pool, who is your first draft? Who is who do you think's the next one to go? Uh, well, I'm going to put my money on Wayne Terwilliger, 
okay. who is 95 years old in June. All right, so he, we got to get the him oldest. On, we we got to get him on the show quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'd be like, "Hello, Wayne." Yeah, "Hello, Wayne." <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Right. You know what, what's he doing? You know he's home. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Can you name one of the other 90 uh, year old Cubs? Uh, no, you can't. They're all in there. No. They all played in the 50s. You don't know any of them. Gabby um, Hardnett. No, no. But they're all in every Cub ever, which is still available at EckhartsPress.com, even though uh, we're non-essential. You can still buy it, right, Dave? Well, you can buy it, and I will even risk my life and go to the post office to put it in the bin, the postal bin. You are a good man. Right, right. And all right. We need to. So, we need to break. Okay. We have two guests coming up. Right? Is this the first yeah. time we've ever done this? I think it is. Uh, we've got um, Tristan Wade, professional poker player, coming right immediately after the break, right? Yep. And then following him, we've got Jim Peterick. And so you just you yeah. sit in your seat and continue to listen. We'll also have a song. I mean, oh. this, this is just like bonus material. It's all yeah, coming right is, back up. This is like the White Album. <laughs> It is. We'll be right back with all of that, everything that we've promised you right after this. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, yes, it's true. There's no football slash soccer being played, but that doesn't mean there's not stuff to watch. Isn't that right, Adam? You're absolutely right. We've got documentaries. I'm even going to give you my top five soccer movies of all time. Stay tuned. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of stuff to still do, and we'll, we'll go through a bunch of it. Uh, you have to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. It's a Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. <laughs> Can you see my doodle from where no. you are? You know who else? Would? Walter Jacobson would doodle. And his doodle one day was close to my doodle. <laughs> he, uh, so you've seen his doodle? Sure. Uh, <laughs> he's seen your doodle. He's seen my doodle more than one day. <laughs> Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Rick, we've had billionaires on our show. We've had movie stars, sports icons, uh, rock and roll hall of famers, White House communication directors. But I think this is the first time that we've ever had one of my mentors on our show. He's won a European poker bracelet. He's been to multiple World Series of Poker final tables. He was named Deep Stacks Player of the Year in 2015. Please welcome my poker coach and my friend Tristan Wade. Tristan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. First off, I want to get a ruling from you, um, being a renowned poker player. Rick giggles when he wins a big hand when we play garage <laughs> poker. That's pretty uncool, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. What? Yeah. That's a that's a that's a big needle. Big yeah. needle. It's a gentleman's game, huh? Wow, I I had no idea. Now, uh, b both Dave and I grew up in uh, in very German houses. I'm pretty sure our off the boat immigrant parents would not have been too happy with us becoming professional poker players, especially right out of college which is what you did, but your parents seem to be supportive of you doing this. Uh, did they? How did they react when you said, hey, mom, dad, listen, um, I think I'm going to become a f professional poker player. 
it was just one thing like that people couldn't understand at the time. You know, they thought it was just something I was doing in college. And then once I got my degree and finished college, they were like, so what are you going to do now? And I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play poker. And it just wasn't really fathomable for What them. about health insurance, Kristen? <laughs> yeah, what about it? <laughs> so, yeah, it was definitely like a, a profession that hadn't really been explored by too many people at the time. And um, somehow I made it work. So what year are uh, we talking about here? When you first started, uh, this was 2000, at the end of 2007, and the uh, big poker boom in, in the United States happened in around 2003. So, you know, there were other options like playing online poker, playing at casinos, traveling to people's houses. But, um, you know, a couple of those options aren't as lucrative as the others. <laughs> right, good point. I think more existent. The big winners that are the big winners that our garage poker come home with about like forty bucks. So you probably couldn't uh, couldn't exist on that. Yeah, no. Unless you guys are playing every night and you win every time, I guess. Uh, Hence the Rick, giggling. Rick, Rick, yeah, Rick would, <laughs> Rick would get sick from giggling. His health. Was, uh, so you started when you were a freshman in college. Yeah, I started my freshman year and just kind of picked up the game from watching it on ESPN broadcast like a lot of other people who discovered poker during that time did. And uh, yeah, I just started playing online, playing, driving to a, a Sun Cruise casino off of Port Cape Canaveral off the East coast of Florida. And they would have a boat that went out like every week and once a month they would have a big tournament there. So I would, you know, I would just do whatever I could to play poker wherever possible. Shouldn't you have been studying Tristan? Yeah, I should have been, you know, I should have been somehow, you know, college wasn't that difficult between partying, studying (laughs) poker that I somehow managed to pass. So I don't know if that says more about me or the system. Were you a good math student? Is that, I mean, poker is a mathematical uh, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of math, a lot of probability, uh, a lot of statistics and um, math helps, but you really only need a basic understanding of math. But sometimes I tell people that and they, they laugh and gawk at me and say, no, you need more math than that. Two plus two doesn't equal four in poker. So, right. That's um, true. but yeah, more or less just basic math skills and, uh, some psychology toss in there. And there's a lot of game theory, which has, um, some math built into it too, when you get down to the bare bones of it. All right, we're going to get into some of your uh, your poker techniques in a sec, but um, you know, with COVID nineteen, most of these poker rooms uh, have been shut down. But that doesn't stop some of you people from gambling. I know how this works. Um, oh yeah. Did you read poker player Chris? Uh, I think it's Hanunchen. Is that how you pronounce his name? He he tweeted. He <laughs> how do you do, how do you pronounce it? I think it's Hunachin. Hunachin. That's what I meant yeah. to say. <laughs> he, uh, he has a tweet out uh, where he is taking bets on uh, how many people are going to die from COVID-19. He's, he wants to say, he says, want to take the over in 100,000 deaths from COVID-19 in the U.S. by September 1st, which is kind of an odd prop bet, but I'm sure you've heard of some other ones. Yeah, I mean that's definitely up there because um, it's a little morbid. Yeah, right? sure. betting on how many people are he's going to make a killing, right? That's the whole. <laughs> <But>, um... <laughs> exactly, but I guess uh, when it comes to gambling, most gamblers try to find their edges. So I suppose that he thinks that that's a calculated risk he's willing to take, and that his side of the bet is favorable for him. 
Um, now, I don't necessarily agree with that, but uh, maybe in that instance with the system we have in place and what's going on currently, maybe he's making a big, a good bet there. But I've seen a lot of wacky bets like that over my years from um, guys wagering on people to eat stuff, um, to do physical competitions. And I even had one of my buddies, Huck C, try to get a prop bet going um, about five, six, seven years ago where he wanted to stay in the Brazil Fervelas for a month and see if he could live just on his own with nothing. And he was oh. looking for someone who would wager against him on that. And he couldn't find any takers. Yeah, but, I um, bet. <laughs> I wouldn't have bet against him, but that's pretty, that's, that might be a, a death wish too, to try to try to do that. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, wacky bets you hear about and it's just really just comes with someone wants to put up the money and someone wants to take the chance and, and that's how they get done. Well, you know, if you ever go to Wrigley field, go to a Cubs game, and sit in the bleachers, they're betting on everything. They oh, bet yeah. on, you know, whether someone tosses the rosin bag onto the mound at the end of the inning. They, they're betting on, you know, first pitch strike, first pitch curveball. And really, you can bet on just about anything, can't you? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure there will come a time and a place where that is available to us um, by a casino, of course. <laughs> right. Exactly. We're almost there. We're getting yeah. legalized betting. Um, but, but, yeah, I – I definitely have been a part of those baseball bets before as well. So for sure. You know, one of the things that I love about poker were the, were the great conversations that I've had around the table. Uh, you know, I've met some extremely intelligent and thoughtful people, not Rick during garage. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm he's just about, laughing at you the whole yeah, time, right? right? He's just giggling. He's, he's a, uh, but you know, you preach that in order to become a good poker player, you have to have fun, right? I mean, that's part of, you know, it's, it, you know, if you enjoy what you do and to be a good poker player, you have to engage players on some social, you know, level. And we talked about this just a few minutes ago. Was that, and, and you're a very personable guy and, you know, I've seen, you know, I, I've seen you, you know, how you've played. Was that something that came natural to you to, to be able to engage, you know, players on that kind of social level? Because I think that that would be, something not always easy for people to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, actually. I feel like I was always a people person mm -hmm. growing up, but, but that was more awareness of people. And then I feel like engagement with people, um, poker probably with a lot of that because when I was playing in college, I would travel to home games where I would meet strangers and, and make friends over the months that we would play and what have you. And, and I think poker and just the atmosphere of being seated at a table with strangers kind of puts you in the, in the social sphere of mm -hmm. engaging in a conversation with, with someone you don't really know. And I would say that that probably helped me become more social. And, you know, there, there, there's also, that's the competitiveness to it as well. I was a competitive guy and to, to get any more information you could get from somebody and see how they view you at the poker table and how they might play against you at the poker table was also something that could be used to your advantage. So it was probably a combination of those things that made me want to be more active and engaged and just to have fun. Like you guys say, you, you're playing in your garage, you're having a good time, everyone's laughing. And that that was kind of the environment I started playing poker in too, a fun, competitive environment. Some people hated me because you know I wanted to win and I was I was pretty good at poker. And then 
Uh, other people just we had a good time. So mm-hmm. so that's the, that's the beauty of poker. I would say is the social aspect of it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I said, I mean, so, and some of these conversations I've had were really, you know, deep. You know. Oh and, yeah. And and, and 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 you know, it's and I would admit, you know, we're playing. You know, I'm playing at a one-two table at the Horseshoe. You're playing for you know a considerably bigger stakes, yet you're still able to engage on that kind of great, you know, that fun social level, which I think is just fantastic. I mean, I think yeah. it's great. Do you and play not, the not same way? Like that. Do you play the same way if you're if you're playing just for fun, or if you're playing for millions? See, that's that's a good bridge there because I I would, but it's typically who are the characters at your table and and if the stakes are raised and, and you're playing for a lot of money and people are making really focused decisions you're not going to have the same kind of social mm. environment you you might in a home game right so that's kind of the difference is who you're playing some sometimes people can still be coy and cordial and talkative uh no matter what the stakes and and that's fun and those are nice and that kind of makes it a little more comfortable but other times uh people are just really serious people are focused on the game and making decisions and, and the environment is a lot more fierce than, than that all right well, let's talk a little bit about the psychology of poker we got dave mentioned that i giggle which is my tell <laughs> which is you know the only thing keeping me away from the you know world poker championship yeah, yeah. um Rick, Rick, though, is you do it after the hands. Right. Oh, that's it. Okay. But anyway, you know, the tell is that that is a uh, like a social skill to see that, to to recognize what someone's tell is. What are some of the common tells that you have noticed over the years? Well, pulse. You'll see the pulse in someone's neck. That's a huge one. And now that's give or take because someone could just be excited that they have a good hand or they could be nervous that they're bluffing. So, you know, these tells aren't always a hundred percent. You kind of got to confirm or deny them, but pulse is a huge one. I think body language, just overall body language, how someone presents himself. That's a, that's a definite, like uh, a red, a big red signal. Sometimes if, if people's body language is just awkward or they move it in a different way, uh, what people do with their hands is another a good thing. And then how people play with their chips, which I feel like just kind of goes with body language more or less. So there isn't necessarily like one thing I could say, like that's definitely it. It's more of a, a broad, see how someone's demeanor changes in these more tense moments and then try to pull something out of that. And, you know, you're 50, 50, you're either right. Or wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes there's a little, but, definitely something on someone and it be a tell and it confirmed and you use it for sure and what is in your life you know where we all have interactions that being tuned to other people's body language i imagine you're you're doing subconsciously in all your interactions right yeah, you try to you try to like turn it off, I guess, but but it definitely is kind of second nature at this point to yeah. be maybe a little suspicious and yeah. a little more aware. But um, one thing that helped me with tells was just being aware of myself and and realizing what I do in in, in the moment sometimes, and then I looked at other people for that. So you know, I guess that learning of myself kind of helped me learn what others might do too. 
that's you know the world series of poker is scheduled to start in what six weeks right oh man right around the corner but uh yeah what you know do you has there been any guidance of what's going to happen i mean i can't possibly think i mean you know i'm not a germaphobe but just playing poker in poker rooms those poker chips used to give me just they're gross you know i mean (laughs) you know everybody's holding them and they're filthy i can't imagine everybody's close together i can't imagine that it's gonna start unless i'm with uh, you yeah yeah i just can't imagine that the wsop is going to take place this year the poker room and the poker table is just a breeding ground for germs you're in a very close vicinity like you said you got chips you got uh, cards you have money you have whatever else i i I doubt it's going to happen but you know the world series of poker hasn't made an announcement so i guess they're just waiting until closer to the start you know it starts Mm -hmm. at the end of may so you know, uh, they're probably playing with fire a little bit. And in Nevada here, we're under uh, essential business only. Uh, that's been going on for, I want to say, almost 30 days. I think they might have done it on March 30th. Okay. Uh-huh. Are the are the casinos all closed? Yeah. Yeah. The casinos have been closed. It, it's not, it couldn't have been March 30th. It had to have been before that. But it's been, I want to say, about four weeks since they did this essential business shutdown. And the casinos have been closed for that period of time. So, you know, there's no way they're going to have a WSOP this year, in my opinion. That's such, um, such, that's and they just shame. haven't announced it. They're just yeah. waiting to announce it. So what are you doing all day? Man, well, luckily for me, um, the one good thing about living in Nevada is we do have legalized online poker. Oh. And that's only a luxury provided to four states in the United States right now. I think it's Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, so I'm actually... Actually, in a store, we have a, a shared player pool between New Jersey and Delaware, I believe. So I can actually play online poker regulated legally um, with New Jersey, Nevada, and Delaware. So that's what I'm doing with my time. I'm, I'm playing poker online. I'm studying. I'm, I'm doing some coaching. I'm trying to learn some other things, some other skills, stay in shape and uh, just stay the hell away from everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you, you can now study for those classes that you took freshman year that you were blown off. <laughs> yes, exactly. I right. passed all those classes. Dave. Come on. His degree is as good as anybody else's degree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how people that are follow? I mean, you have lots of fans out there. How can people keep track of your success and follow you and, and you out there on social media? Where, where can people follow yeah. you? Yeah, I have a couple accounts on social media. I have an Instagram. I have a Twitter um, that I'm most active on. And my name is at Tristan Creative with an eight um, in the eight eightive. And uh, and then I have a website that uh, is creativecoaching.com. And that's basically my poker coaching platform where I do articles that are right. Um, so I throw my articles up there and stuff like that. So yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me, you can just... Look me up anywhere on Google, and I'm sure something will pop up. Uh, well, you know, the offer for your book, we've been talking about your book. You know, we're, we're a couple of publishers here. I, you know, keep, keep, keep going on that. Dave, too. I have not, I have not let that thought leave my mind since okay. you brought it to me. I, I've toiled with different topics and, and trying to bring a new kind of jazz to, to that uh, spectrum. And maybe we're almost there. I mean, what better time than the present? Yeah, you got time. You got got time on your hands. Let's go. So uh, I'll let you know. We'll be happy to do anything. Really, 
really appreciate your time here and be be healthy. Your family's doing okay. Everybody's doing okay because they're in Florida, right? Yeah, they're in Florida. And my mom actually is in, she works in the hospital. Uh, she used to be in New York nurse and she's in the down in uh, Beach County. They're they're doing good. They they haven't been as as busy as they thought they would be, but they did have people flying in from New York City to get treatment and stuff. So hopefully things keep uh, leveling out. We can yeah. get ahead of this virus. Yeah, well, good it's good scary. vibes there. Yeah, good vibes their way in Florida. I I mean, and the models that I'm looking at, Florida is going to start getting really clobbered pretty soon i think yeah um, that's that's what they're saying this week uh, they think sometime this week they're gonna see their them reach their peak more yeah. or less uh well good vibes to everybody and you and be healthy and and uh hey keep in touch and again we really appreciate your time today buddy awesome thanks for having me can't wait can't wait to hear it okay thanks, hey, thanks man thanks yeah buddy. thanks thank you too appreciate All it right. We need to take a quick break. Manoush Men will be right back. And friends and everyone at Opie Shows want you to make sure to wash your hands. And if you're still one of those people who don't wash their hands after they use the bathroom, please do that now. That's something you should have been doing anyway. Cover your mouth when you cough. Come on, people. And with that, we have a special message from actress, comedian, and fan favorite, Milana Vintrub. I just want to wish the people of Chicago a safe, warm, peaceful stay at home. Please stay healthy. Please help other people stay healthy by staying home. Stay safe, Chicago. Thanks, Milana. Thank you. Guys, seriously, you can save the world by sitting on your ass at home. You cannot afford to miss this opportunity. You won't get another one. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Stay home. You will be saving the world. And we're back. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute. With Rick and Dave. All right. We are uh, thrilled to have on the phone a rock and roll superstar, Jim Peterick. Jim uh, is also coming to us from a remote location because that's just how we do things these days. <laughs> Isn't that right? I'm hunkered down in, in quaint Burr Ridge. And uh, lucky I have a, a home and, a you know, my family's well, and I'm just counting every blessing I got. So, uh, what's it been like for you? You know, you're, you're obviously your home is nice and luxurious and everything, but still, you know, you can't leave and you're, you're a rock and roll guy. You like being in front of crowds. How's it been for you? Um, uh, I've been finding virtual crowds, Rick. Okay. And, uh, that's, that's what you got to do. And it's very weird. I, I got to tell you, you know, about three weeks ago, I did a, a, a live stream from my son's studio, the jam lab. And, raised $5,000 for uh, Music Cares. And that's kind of uh, where my efforts are going to that organization that uh, raises money for musicians in need. And God knows the bands now, they're the ones that live from paycheck to paycheck, from gig to gig are really hurting. Yeah, you know, right. uh, we're, I'm one of the lucky ones who, uh, you know, I've been around since dirt and I have a royalty stream and, uh, you know, it, it's different, but it's different for the bands. I mean, even the Ides of March, we had 20, 20 shows, um, relocated to, uh, the fall and some fall out entirely, you know, yeah. just a real bummer. So my point is, you know, I, I've been doing these live streams for no audience 
and it's like very weird because you don't get the <laughs> you don't get the feedback. You, you say a line and it just falls flat, you know. Yeah. And you, you don't have the pretty looking girl in the second row to, to play up to. <laughs> you, you just well, have Larry Millis, you know. That's not the same. Yeah, you know that's what? A good point. I'll send you my high school picture, and you could just put it there, and, I, and I'll, I'll look adoringly at you. How I'm not sound? not sure that would light my fire. <laughs> well, you know, it's this is we had a, a comedian on last week, Tim Clue. He's a you know comedian, motivational speaker, and you know they're all going through that too. You know, the whole performing world is yeah. is at a standstill. Right, right, and um, I'm le- starting to learn how to how to do it. Last night, I, I there's a new company called We Are Here, led by Linda Perry, uh, a really great songwriter who has many many hits, and uh, I did it from uh, my home studio. It's neat being in a house like this because r- right down the hall from my bedroom, I have my my studio A. And I just go in there and and I keep working, and we did it from uh, that studio last night, and I did about an hour of unplugged. Uh, mostly the famous songs that I've been involved with through the years, but also premiered uh, Empty Arena, which is the song I, I wrote for these times and bands that are playing to nobody. Yeah. Uh, kind of inspired by the Black Crows about three weeks ago, who was the first group that I saw that was actually, you know, doing a show for nobody. And I really give them uh, a lot of credit, but it, it's been different. Are you learning the technology like, you know, Zoom and uh, all that other stuff? Oh hell no! <laughs> I, 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 I got fancy, fancy Zoom. Forget that. I, I got people for that. I got <laughs> I got Zoom people. Thank God I got a millennial called my son Colin. Who they, that's in their genes. They know how to do all that stuff. You know. I love it. So you know, I, uh, go ahead, Dave. I just, sorry to interrupt. Um, I just saw, just came through Facebook just a few minutes ago. You did a. Um, you serenaded clients at Beds Plus at LaGrange. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, wow. With a guitar yeah. in a parking lot, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, every year, I'm just going back a few years, for the last 15 years, I've done the homeless soup kitchen shelter in LaGrange at the uh, at the church, Presbyterian Church. And I've gotten to know these people very well. And not only the counselors, but a lot of the uh, the people that uh, are homeless and come a lot of them every year to hear me sing at Christmas time. Well, this time I got a, I got um, contacted by Beth, uh, who is the head of, of the soup kitchen, asking me if I'd come to the parking lot at St. Barbara's Church in, in uh, Brookfield and sing for 29 homeless people who have been hunkered down in the gymnasium uh, at St. Barbara's for the last, you know, two months or something. And this would be the first time they were let out because they were all well. And I stood there with a guitar and no amplification and sang for, for them and the counselors. And uh, with without PA, uh, I was hoarse for two days. But <laughs> I, I, I got the message across, and it's really funny because that high note for Eye of the Tiger, I never able to hit that note anyway. But there was a, a homeless guy who hit it like crazy. And he was just so stoked, man. I, I gave him the spotlight. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. And, you know, good for you. I mean, this is, uh, you know, you've done a lot of charity work throughout your whole life, you know, and, and, and just, you know, good karma, buddy. And we appreciate it. I, you know well, what? The, the, let's thanks. talk about your uh, 
the new video that came up because that's a very heartwarming, touching thing. Um, I know that the song is not new, I don't think, right? The uh, Spirit of Chicago? Yeah, uh, we cut it in the mid-90s and uh, it didn't really get the kind of exposure. We didn't know. Social, we didn't have social media like we do now. Right. Uh, we did present it to Mayor Daly, the, the young Mayor Daly, and, uh, and it was very nice. We gave him a plaque, and it was a great thing. But Spirit of Chicago, the song um, that I wrote with Dick Eastman, and we got so many great Chicago artists to join us, really never uh, got the exposure. A lot of people think, think it is a new song. Uh, we just remastered it and released it just a few days ago. And it's going kind of nuts. Uh, Tracy yeah. Butler featured it today and Dean Richards and GN. And it's getting a lot of, um, you know, attention. We're trying to get it to um, to Rick Kempfer and Dave. <laughs> oh, we got it. Uh, well, How'd you get through, Jim? That's crazy. How did you get That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. But uh, we're trying to get it to um, Governor Pritzker and to Mayor Lightfoot. And it's really non-for-profit. It's nothing more than trying to raise the spirit and kind of a call to arms of, of the great town of Chicago. And it's a star-studded effort, right? Tell us about some of the people that are in that song. Yeah, we have a lot of star studs, like Dennis DeYoung. He's a stud. Yeah. Uh, David Carl, he's a stud. Kathy Richardson, she's a stud. Yeah. Uh, it's studded. Uh, and uh, a lot of people like Rick Nielsen and uh, Frankie Sullivan, uh, you know, of Survivor. This was back in 95 when I was still a member of Survivor. Uh-huh. So it's historical, and it's it has the late, great Gary Loizzo of the American Breed on it, and oh, also wow. uh, Jim Ellison of Material Issues. So there's some real treasures on that besides the the, the people that are still, still with us. Well, it, would you mind if we played that song for everyone on our podcast this week? Uh, would you please? That would make my day. Well, we'd love to do it. So uh, thank you, Jim, very much uh, for uh, taking a little time out of your schedule. And uh, and here right now for everyone is the is Spirit of Chicago by Ides of March and Friends.
right, Jim. Thank you. Oh man, you guys are the best. The, yeah, it's, hey, I've, lo- I've always loved this song since it first came out. I've always loved this song, so I was just thrilled that you re-released it. Well, it's got a second chance now, and I think the timing's just right. Unfortunately, yes, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Well, be be safe. Good vibes to you and your family and everybody, and you know, keep doing what you're doing. Very, I, I mean that with good karma, buddy. I, I know, Dave. It's all about karma. You, you always get it back. It's like a, a, a boomerang. You know, I, I love it. That's why we all do it. Thanks, yeah. Jim. Appreciate um, it. Okay, Thanks, Rick and Dave. Take care, guys. Have a Back good on. one. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was that was special. Yeah. That's a that's a, a great song, isn't it? Oh my God, yeah. And uh, Jim Peterick is really doing some great stuff. I he mean, he's I, I I am seeing him on Facebook all the time, doing some charity thing or doing something from his studio and he's he's a good guy and thanks for everybody and thanks also thanks to tristan wade yeah uh, for uh, joining us so uh, you get a bonus a bonus celebrity interview for uh your minutia men galleries so when you if, if you ever i'm gonna invite tristan the next time he's in chicago for garage poker okay <laughs> by the well, way the I'm whole good. giggling thing that that's real I know. <laughs> I really do giggle. I, that's right. why it's really the only thing holding me back from becoming a professional. If people ask Dave where they can get uh, uh, Minutia Men, you got to go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts, search for Radio Misfits. And we need to uh, give our special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards, O P P I H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Man. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? What do you get when you hear a, a celebrity Minutia Men interview, Dave? You will get Mark Cuban and Anthony Scaramucci, Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch and the bully from the Christmas Story. Yes. The voice of Siri and She Shed Cheryl. My God, the list goes on. So you'll get Minutia, Celebrity Minutia Men interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Los Ano or Los Los Ano and friends, here's what you missed. My name is Ryan Cheverini. I'm the co-host of Windy City Live. The shorter you are, the more famous you are. That is true. Well, then explain Will Ferrell, because you've had him. Uh, He's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like 6'4". Will Ferrell was awesome. Will, um, you could talk to him just like we're talking right now when the light's not on. As soon as the camera light goes on, uh, you can't ask him anything serious. (laughs) Like, I think I asked him. I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a little bit about, you know, your things that you like to watch, this, whatever. He goes, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. We come out, and I go, what's the movie that you watch late at night when you're flipping channels? Channels and you just have to watch it because it's so funny. And he's like, um, you know, uh, probably um, Booty Call. <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. 
good luck trying to spell Lausanne or whatever the f- it's called. Groovy.